Thank you for joining us today for reducing risk and building a more resilient supply chain. We're thrilled to have you join us for our fireside chat to discuss lessons learned from cyber attacks and hear best practices for managing cyber risk and analyzing weak links in your supply chain. My name is Shauna Hoffman, and I am the ServiceNow ITX Transformation Solution Sales Manager for HHS. I've advised governments around the world on digital transformations and have worked side by side with general counsels on some of the country's largest cybersecurity incidents. I am joined today by uh, Dr. Derek S. Reveron, Chair of the National Security Affairs Department at the U.S. Naval War College and a faculty advisor at the Belfort Center for Science and International Affairs at the Harvard Kennedy School. He specializes in strategy development, non-state security challenges, and U.S. defense policy. As a serving officer in the Navy Reserve, he has commanded units in support of U.S. European Command, U.S. Indo-Pacific Command, U.S. Southern Command, and U.S. Naval Forces Central Command. He served on the Rhode Island Cybersecurity Commission, has published 14 books, and co-wrote a forthcoming book on national security in the information age. Derek, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Shauna. Great to see you again. And uh, my standard declaimer for my fellow government employees, these are my personal views and do not represent the Department of the Navy. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, let's jump right into it. So supply chain threats can be broad and include denial of service, data leaks, customer data breaches, intellectual property thefts, disruption of business, and other malware attacks such as ransomware. As the saying states, the supply chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So there are two ways to reflect upon supply chain cyber attacks. And as, as we've discussed, and I've heard you speak often, the first is lessons learned from the direct cyber attacks. And the second is lessons learned from cyber attacks that occur from a trusted entry point where a tier, you know, one through N, so it could be one through nine, you know, tier software vendor passes nefarious code onto a tier one software company who unknowingly passes the vulnerabilities onto their clients. So as we focus on the first, um, what direct cyber attacks provide top of mind lessons learned? Yeah, no, it's a great question, a great point. And you do see the evolution in cybersecurity over time. Uh, you know, as we all know, it's a cat and mouse game. We get better, but so do the criminals and the intelligence services. Um, we're all using third-party software on our organizational networks, whether we realize it or not. And, uh, you know, much effort goes into ensuring the credentials are issued to only those users to gain access to our networks. Um, a lot of effort goes into ensuring the network is available so we can do all our jobs. Um, we have specialized IT departments to help us do all of these things. Um, but, it, you know, there's an implicit level of trust so we can all do our jobs. And when we place our trust in our vendors, they provide us a software that we use and it has to work and it has to work flawlessly. Um, some companies are more vigorous in testing than others, uh, but the proprietary nature of the software can prevent network administrators from identifying the vulnerability before the patch comes. Um, you know, someone I was uh, on a panel with a while ago, you know, she sort of remarked, uh, Patch Tuesday, uh, you know, if you don't take advantage of Patch Tuesday, it's Vulnerability Wednesday. And so there was a major push last night for uh, iOS products. Uh, so I hope everybody has, has updated uh, and we just have to keep patching. Yeah, I saw that too. And actually sent a message to all of my teenagers saying, please update for the thing Me in the too. morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, so as we look at some of the direct cyber attacks, you know, from the nation, other nation states, 
what lessons learned there, um, you know, would you recommend, you know, to our government agency who are attending yeah. today? No, right. In the, in the last two years, there have been, um, or last year, uh, major disclosures, um, Russian intelligence hacked uh, solar winds through this third party supply chain uh, attack. Um, and also uh, Chinese intelligence uh, did something similar for Microsoft Exchange Server. Um, so I think the first lesson for everybody now is to underscore that U.S. companies, U.S. organizations are facing state-sponsored intelligence services, and they're involved in national security, whether they know or not. You know, typically now they're, they're really the victims and uh, under U.S. law can't counterattack in, in any meaningful way. Um, so this really forces, enforces the point that a strong public partnership is really needed. Um, and in fact, uh, under the Department of Homeland Security, there is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, CISA, um, came into being in 2018, um, and they just launched a new initiative called uh, JCDC um, as ways to strengthen the connective tissue of information sharing between what government knows, what industry knows, and a way to do it that really just has the, the impact on improving cybersecurity. Because... Um, government agencies and uh, private organizations, they're on the front lines now and, and have been for probably the decade, I, th I think probably reaching back to um, at least the Sony Pictures Entertainment hack um, really highlighted what happens when another country is uh, wants to retaliate against the U.S., they don't necessarily go after the U.S. government. In that case, they went after a uh, corporation, Sony Pictures Entertainment. Yeah, and the now, I've heard it recommended to develop your defenses based on the principle that your system will be breached. Now, the question comes now, not just how to prevent the breach, but how to mitigate an attacker's ability to exploit the information they've accessed and how to recover from that breach. So what best practices have you seen regarding that defense-based principle? Yeah, I mean, I think first off is uh, users, uh, we have to embrace training a little better. Um, and uh, IT administrators, the training does have to be better too. Uh, it needs to be realistic and interesting and, and relevant. Um, you know, second, uh, I, I think leaders of our organizations, they have to know their networks. You, you, this is no longer the business of the IT department or the chief information security officer. Uh, I think leaders throughout any organization really need to understand their networks. They need to understand their IT practices. And probably most importantly, they need a resiliency plan. Um, you know, the old adage is there's, uh, you know, the safest computer is the one you don't turn on. Um, that's not very realistic. Um, and so we need to, to think through what it means when we can't turn on our computer, when we can't access our data, um, that we are either a victim to a denial of service attack um, uh, directly or inadvertently uh, if uh, there, there have been major internet outages um, uh, as well, uh, just more broadly, not to not directed at any individual organization, um, or in the worst case scenario, your, your own organization is a victim of a ransomware attack. Um, what happens next? And you need to be able to, I think leaders need to be able to answer that question. Um, now, the good news is, uh, you know, the federal government has really sort of stepped into this space uh, tremendously over the last several years. 
you know, first off, there is the National Institute for Standards and Technology, or NIST. Um, NIST does amazing work. They provide some excellent guides on how to build resiliency plans. Um, organizations need to allocate people uh, to, to actually develop those plans, and not just in the IT department. This is everyone's business, and so you need to make sure that key people in all parts of the organization are included in developing that plan. Um, and then second to um, CISA under Department of Homeland Security, they offer free cybersecurity assessment services. Um, and, and that's something new that they've been doing. Um, and they'll also, if you just go to their website, you can see uh, their ransomware prevention best practices as a way to do that. Um, as I've said, security, it's a cat and mouse game. Um, so every lesson learned on the previous breach, we must apply those. But we also have to red team to understand what the attackers are going to do next, because they're learning too. They're seeing how our organizations respond, and uh, and we need to be ready. Yeah, that actually reminds me of the weirdest cybersecurity incident that I ever worked on, and it was unusual because the attackers were able to get in through the fish tank. The IT team had set up a fish tank and they left a port open and they got in through that fish tank that was just being monitored for what the temperature was. So <laughs> it's amazing to see just those little things that, you know, the red teams are very important because they can find those literal vulnerabilities like a fish tank or something that you think is innocent. No, that, that's right. I mean, we, we sort of have this, I think the, as I think about cybersecurity, we've evolved a little bit where I, I think kind of in early days, it was, it was almost medieval. Right, building high castle walls or firewalls, maybe putting moats out um, as a way to sort of protect our networks. Um, and then it became sort of the trusted user validating credentials and, you know, to the point of multi-factor authentication today. Um, but we, and we're just, I think, SolarWinds and uh, the Microsoft Exchange Server hack really highlight, well, now we have to extend sort of our thinking and also look about how data is moving across our networks as uh, almost sort of a, an immune system. Um, and so since we're sort of in, for this audience in particular, uh, but, um, uh, you know, as we think, right, we've got our own bodies have various layers of sort of human security for, for against biological um, uh, things. So we have our skin as our outer barrier or our firewall, but then we also have our immune system, right? And we have our white blood cells that can attack the foreign. And, and the same thing, I think, with our own organizations, really good ones are not only watching about who's trying to get into our systems, um, but also what's going on within the system. And that's probably a really, I think, a good, important cybersecurity practice that has been developing uh, for several years. And, and SolarWind um, sort of highlights that, and even going back again to, to, to make sure we're not just talking about today, but the OPM hack from, uh, you know, about seven, eight years ago now, um, you know, watching large uh, data, uh, you know, millions of records exfiltrated from an OPM server uh, later attributed to Chinese intelligence. Well, and you brought up a really good point about the people aspect. So as we know, cybersecurity is never just a technology problem. You know, it's people, it's processes, it's really often a knowledge problem. You know, one of the breaches that I first breach actually that I worked on um, was a USB drive that was brought in mm -hmm. by an individual who had been, um, uh, I won't get into it in too big of details, but anyways, pretty much tortured to do it. And um, as we look at those incidents on the people side, um, when we start to look at decreasing those vulnerabilities with the people themselves, um, what recommendations do you have? 
I, you know, I think first off is, um, you know, we all need to have a security mindset as it relates to cybersecurity. And, uh, you know, I was trying to think about, um, you know, and if, again, if you look at the threat landscape, and so criminal enterprises are, are quite prolific. You know, we, we heard about the major ransomware attacks uh, this year against uh, Colonial Pipeline um, and the meatpacking company. Um, there are thousands more out there as it relates to ransomware. Uh, the reason ransomware is becoming a household name is it works. Criminal enterprises, they, they do it for the money and, and they're getting it. Um, and so that's where I think you're starting to see the federal government try to provide industry um, and victims, uh, you know, in the case FBI opening investigations to kind of go after that. Um, but so back to the security mindset is, um, you know, we when you know we we've sort of the last eighteen months has have really sort of ushered in and, and accelerated, I think, the shift to to remote work. Um, and and if you think back about going to offices, um, you know, I, I work on a base, so we have a gate, and there's an ID card check. When I go into my um, building, I need a badge, and I scan in. Um, and I, I guess we, you know, it's hard to sort of bring that mentality home or if we're in an airport or a hotel room uh, working. Um, but what I would just say is, I don't think we would, you know, at least knowingly let in Russian intelligence officers into our office or certainly not our server room. And so we have to sort of change our thinking about, well, what is it with our IT practices that are enabling Russian intelligence officers to get into our servers? Uh, because they are. And so we have to be really careful about that. Um, so I think first is sort of thinking about, you know, taking a security mindset, you know, a bit. Um, the other thing, how, how we talk about things too, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in language. And, and so if you think back over that, and you've worked in the industry a long time, you know, you go back 20 years of, of how we used to talk about things. We, we would put the little E in front of everything, e-banking, e-commerce, and then it became mobile, mobile banking, mobile shopping. Um, but I think those uh, are, have largely disappeared a little bit from our language. Amazon is now the largest retailer in the United States. At least I never say I'm going e-shopping when I get up on Amazon. Um, but uh, so we need to just sort of like, but, it, but and then when we use our credit cards, though, sometimes people are not you know, thinking clearly, like just because you're doing it on your phone or your computer, it sounds safe. Uh, but just like if you're going into Walmart, um, you know, you, you would be careful with your credit card. You would be careful with, you know, people looking over your shoulder. And so we somehow need to sort of make that shift to, to where we're operating um, and working and buying and shopping and banking in, in cyberspace. Um, you know, even this meeting, uh, we're calling this a virtual meeting. This is very real to me. I don't see much distinction. I mean, it would be much nicer to be together, uh, you know, of course, but um, we, I even think this idea of virtual is, is sort of changing and, and, you know, the language I think is catching up, um, you know, shifting from sort of a telework to remote work. And then I think eventually we'll just say to work, it, you know, for most people, unless you're working in a classified environment, you don't necessarily need to be in sort of that secure space. Um, and, and so we need to sort of broaden our security mindset to make sure that we, you know, we've got our own security bubble and, and to, you know, 
you know, this is where our IT departments can, could help us all out a little better is to make sure we understand VPN usage and having the tools to make sure that we're securely tunneling into our own servers. Um, and likewise with multi-factor authentication, because we're doing the same sort of things when we go into an office. You know, instead of the VPN, we're using our badge um, or a key to a door. Um, we're encrypting our data, just like we would be, right, sealing it in envelopes and, and, and such. And, and we need to sort of bring that mindset back with us. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a great conversation to really understand, you know, some of those next steps that government agencies can take, you know, to secure their supply chains, learn from those uh, I guess lessons learned in the past and really be able to move forward. So thank you for joining us. And we look forward to hopefully seeing you in person and speaking more. Yeah, great. Likewise, and appreciate sharing my personal views. Yes, thank you very much.